Yeah. Oh, holy shit. So uh, looks like their talent was intact early on, doesn't it? Yeah, that was it. You get, you get all the uh, all the, the building blocks are there in place. Yeah. So what we just saw was the spirit of Christmas. Uh, Frosty versus Jesus versus Frosty from 1992, which was an animated short created by who? My co-host Scott Colonico? Trey Parker and Matt Stone. That's right. That's right. And it was the animated short that started it all, which later become became a very popular animated series called what? South, South Park. Park. There we go. We said it together. Yes, so once again, uh, welcome to another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we talk about the history of comedy. I am Harmon Leon. With me, as always, is... I am Scott Colonico, everyone. How are you? On today's uh, episode of Comedy History 101, we are going to talk about uh, the origins of the Spirit of Christmas uh, animated shorts, which later became uh, the animated series South Park. I'm going down south, I'm going to have myself a time. Before I dug into this, Scott, it seemed like South Park almost came out of the blue. It seemed like um, by chance they created this viral uh, video, one of the very first viral videos uh which is the spirit of christmas and then you know they got the deal to make uh, south park but actually it's not as easy as that there was a bit of a journey before that no it's always that's always the uh the fun part is watching the journey beforehand um yeah it's interesting because i was kind of uh because uh one of the things they were saying is they made this as part of a student film showcase uh, mm-hmm. that's why it has a christmas theme on it because it would always have a end of the year you know, uh, student film showcase, which we also did when I was going to, I went to the University of Texas at about the same time at the film program there, and they would do the same thing. They would have a uh, a student film showcase. So I would saw, I actually, as far as me, I I saw uh, Robert Rodriguez was in my class. So I got to see one of his shorts, you know, like a student showcase. So I can kind of see, you know, I can kind of imagine what it was like when they screened this. Yeah, they went, Robert Rodriguez, you're soon going to be famous. Let's see your student film. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, I think that film is on, it's on one of his DVDs. I think it's on El Mariachi. It's like an extra or something. Nice, but I think, you know, what they do, like in Hollywood, it's always the Hollywood story, like, you know, before Quentin Tarantino directed Reservoir Dogs, he worked at a video store. You know, they kind of make it seem like, you know, it was just like an overnight thing, but it usually isn't an overnight thing. Um, you know, in Tarantino's case, he was like, he was like on episodes of the Golden Girls. As yeah. like, <laughs> and he also he was like a he was like a corporate headhunter for a while too, apparently. But in this case, um, the student film that we're talking about, uh, uh, Scott mentioned, uh, which is the Spirit of Christmas. This one, this episode part of Spirit of Christmas, Jesus versus Frosty, was uh, when Trey Parker and Matt Stone were at film class together at the University of Colorado in 1992. 
And you might not know this, but uh, Matt Stone, uh, surprisingly, it's kind of, you wouldn't think this by looking at him, was actually a math major. Yeah, that is kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, but uh, that kind of seems like he would be. Yeah, he, he would, sort he of would see be more mathy than, than Trey. Yeah. yeah, and Trey Parker was a music major, you know, and then, you know, of course, that's, you know, later on, Book of Mormon and all that. And 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 they kind of bonded together by their same sense of humor. Yeah, very similar kind of sense of humor that, that, that still holds true to this day. Yes, it, it, very true of their same sense of humor. And uh, how, how their partnership, their filmmaking partnership came about was, um, so I went, to, I went to film school for a little bit and you always have to work every single crew position, you know? And, and while they were working on other people's student films, they started doing silly voices to amuse each other. Right, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of sitting around. It's a lot of standing around and and uh, waiting for next shot. Yeah. So as Trey Parker said, we would always talk like these little kids and make each other laugh. Mm -hmm. And they messed around with these little kid characters for a full year before even committing anything to film. With a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal, there must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. Anyways, a little backstory on uh, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Uh, Matt Stone was born in Houston, Texas. His father was an economics professor. Um, actually, the, the characters in South Park, Gerald and Sheila, am I pronouncing this correctly? Broflovsky? Broflovsky, yeah. <laughs> yeah, were named after his parents. And he grew up in uh, the Denver um, suburb of Littleton. Well, uh, Trey Parker was the son of an insurance salesman and a geologist, and he idolized Monty Python, particularly Terry Gilliam, which you can later see in his animated style. Yeah, that's also in South Park, too, is that the, uh, the Kyle's dad's character is also a geologist. Yeah, so here's something funny I read. Like, in sixth grade, uh, Trey Parker wrote a sketch for the talent show called The Dentist, involving what could go wrong at a dentist's office which was very Monty Python-esque, and it had uh, a, a large amount of fake blood. And, it, and as he recalled, it ended up freaking out the kindergartners who ended up crying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, from then, uh, like on the weekends, he and a group of friends would make short films. Um, his dad purchased a video camera for his group of friends. And from there, he started making, uh, you know, animating and short uh, films. Always been, uh, always been a musical guy. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, he went to the Berklee College of Music, traded for about a semester before he trans tr transferred to the University of Boulder. So, and while he was there, he was uh, really active in the student choir, uh, kind of acted in musicals. So he's always been a big fan of the musicals. Uh, played a part in um, their production of the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. That's true, and uh, I think when he was seventeen, he I think like his music was always centered on. Uh, kind of comedy music. And when he was 17, he wrote a full-length comedy album called Immature, a collection of love ballads for the 80s man. You've got a mustache, baby. kind of his his same kind of singing kind of voice kind of self yeah. yeah i mean it you know it made sense of like you know team america and book of mormon yeah. all these you know and even south park the movie they all had great songs in it 
or even their his very first production, uh, Cannibal, Cannibal the Musical. Tell him, French. I can catch a helpless animal, skin it with my bare hands. I wake up muddy and I go to bed bloody, cause I'm a trapping man. Ah, which, 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 by the way, was a student film that they made in, I believe it was 1993. Or maybe that's when it premiered. I that's when it, it premiered in 90. That. Yeah, they made that at while they were seniors in school, which had been 92, which is about the same time they did that. Uh, they did the, the viral short. Um, yeah, Cannibal the Musical, um, based on the legend of uh, Colorado Cannibal, it's Alfred Packer. You think that it's Alfred, but it's not. A-L-F-E-R-D. Alfred Packer. Uh, basically, the story was him and his friends went into so, the, the mountains to, the, to look for gold. And um, he came back all, all alone. <laughs> and he said he didn't know where anybody else was. Then they found the bodies that looked like somebody had eaten them. Um, so in a uh, side trivia note, the uh-huh. student, the cafe in the student union at the University of Boulder, the University of Colorado Boulder, is named yeah. it's named the Alfred Packer uh, Al- Alfred Packer Cafe. Um, do they name it ironically, or is they it a, is it a nod to uh, Matt and Trey, who were they're probably one of the most famous alumni? No, they they made it was named before. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of a it was kind of a famous um, legend around the around those parts, you know. So it's like it's questionable whether he was a cannibal or not. No, I think it was. It's pretty. <laughs> I think it's, it's pretty, pretty cut and paste. Cut, yeah, you should uh, <laughs> spend spend a little time on the Wikipedia about it. It's pretty. It's actually a pretty interesting story. It was like. Um, yeah, because he he the the deal was he came back. I, I can't recall the whole thing now, but the deal is he came back. He said, "Oh, I don't know where everybody else is," and then they wound up finding the bodies, and there was you know there was cannibalism. So it was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, and going with that, uh, what we were saying before, uh, you know, Trey Parker kind of created Oklahoma style, Oklahoma the musical esque uh, numbers and show tunes for uh, which later it was originally called Out. Alfred Packer, the musical. Um, It it got picked up by Trauma Films. Uh, I can't see what the date is. Um, It got picked up by Trauma Films, and they they renamed it Cannibal, the uh, musical. Yeah, that was another one of those things. That was like when they they tried to show it at Sundance. I believe that was 93 when they tried to show it at Sundance. And they didn't even even get a rejection letter, apparently. They just just never heard from Sundance. Um, So what they did is they all packed it in, and um, what would be happening a few years later with Slamdance and the like, they just kind of went, they showed up in Park City and just started showing the film to people. They rented um, a hotel room and just showed it to people there. Hoping to get a deal. I can brave the nastiest weather, weather. even if it's ain't below. My pa was an elephant, but that's irrelevant. My ma was an Eskimo. Did, did they get a deal out of that? They got a lot of attention out of it, and then I don't know if they got the trauma deal out of that or if that followed, but they did get a lot of attention out of it. So, you know, who knows if, if they got the deal directly or not. Yeah, I think that was it was originally a short, and then um, the head of the film department coaxed him into. Um, raising money to make it into a feature film. And they actually raised, uh, I think the budget of that was Mm $125,000 they got from friends and family. Um, And there's a clip of them from like the local uh, Denver news um, in production. uh, uh, And it's like a profile of Matt Trey making uh, 
Cannibal, the later called Cannibal the Musical, which yeah. is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Learning to take care of business can pay big dividends. Senior Trey Parker just raised $100,000 to complete his first feature film, a musical on Alfred Packer, a Colorado cannibal. But, and, and, and Trey Parker, uh, he started it under the pseudonym Juan Schwartz. Yeah, that was, that was his, his name <laughs> in there. And then also Matt Stone's in it, too. He's in the, you know, so it's the two, it's the comedy duo. So do they do they both direct it and produce it? Is that is that how the filmmaking partnership works on that? Or I'm pretty sure Trey directed it and Matt was was in it. He probably produced it as well. Probably kicked some money in as well. Yeah, here's a funny uh, aspect. So uh, at the time, uh, Trey Parker just broke up with his longtime girlfriend, and he was really depressed. So he he funneled all his frustration into the project, and he ended up naming Packer's beloved but disloyal horse after his ex girlfriend. Yeah, the <laughs> yep, there you go. Yeah, she, and, and he actually talks to his horse a lot in the film, or he mentions the horse a lot. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty cathartic. Yeah, yeah, get that. You get to name, you get to get that out of your system by naming a horse <laughs> after your ex girlfriend. And this movie that will go on to live for many years afterwards. Um, have you seen the whole movie? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Wa- I remember watching it when before South Park came out, and one of my friends told me about it he's like oh you just gotta go watch this movie you know because i knew i knew about trauma at the time because i right. know the toxic avenger and stuff so uh yeah i remember watching it at the time enjoying it yeah yeah so actually trauma put out the film in 1996 yeah mm-hmm. so you know trauma though as we all know you know they just um i mean they do like toxic avenger but they basically just um take people's projects or they they acquire people's projects and distribute them right yeah so, you know, the film was already made and they just sort of became the distributor and sort of, in, in that sense, are they the executive producer? Yeah, they would just be the distributor uh, of the film. They're just not really doing anything to it. They're distributing it. But it did become one of their most successful titles of all time, Troma. Yeah, that and Toxie. Toxie. Oh, man, you gotta get, can't go wrong with Toxie, man. Yeah, I actually read that book. Uh, everything I learned about filmmaking, I learned from the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, that was by Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah, we've hung out with Lloyd Kaufman. This is like we did coming around, another right? another podcast where we drop names about people we once hung out with. Yeah, or at least we're in a proximity of a um, appetizer food tray. Yeah, well, I think you could. Well, I've actually talked to. Uh, we had a film festival, the Zombie Film Festival, and uh, Lloyd dropped by. So I mean, it's it's nice for the podcast. The kids out there know that we, you know, we kind of know some people. There we go, and and so the well, the creation of uh, 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 Cannibal the Musical uh, coincided with also in 1992 that Trey Parker and Matt Stone founded a production company named Avenging Conscious, and there's kind of a funny story of what his name was named after a D.W. Griffin film of the same name that they both actively disliked. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. It's like also like you know in film school or film class you're always made to watch something tedious. Right. That's it is great, and same with like literature class. Yeah, I but, think. Yeah, and, Spike, and it always says like the opposite of like turning you off of literature or film. Yeah, it's Spike Spike Lee, I think, kind of did the same thing. He made some film. He made some one of his college shorts was like I think called Birth of a Nation or something. You know, he made it as a reaction after having to watch another a different D.W. Griffith film. Um, I don't know if we we digress in this, but like. Within the last two years is the first time I've seen Birth of a the D.W. Griffith Birth of a Nation, and uh-huh. I thought 
oh, maybe there's just one scene where the clan is glorified. <laughs> no, 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 no. They are the heroes yeah, they're throughout. The heroes. Kind of the heroes of the story, yeah. It's, you just think, oh, that's just the times, and they're just racism during the time. So there's just, you know, a couple of scenes where it might be racist. It's, no, consistently <laughs> all the way through. It's it's racist praising the the kkk yeah and then i think whoever the pre- i can't remember who was president at the time time whatever the president was we he would show well, joe wilson yeah he would show at the white house yeah but uh yeah. we as we all know woodrow wilson the most racist president yes kind of a racist. of all time mm-hmm. and coming to the inside joke amongst us uh don't woodrow wilson it yeah that's right don't woodrow wilson it <laughs> So in 1992, also, uh, Trey Parker, uh, he made his first uh, animated presentation that resembled uh, the animated style which would follow uh, in South Park with the animated short he did in film school called American History. Right, which he had uh, narrated by one of his Japanese friends who kind of told his version of American History. Let me tell you about American History. At first, Columbus found this continent in 1492 and he started killing many Indians. <laughs> it was kind of like it was like a precursor to drunk history. Yeah, I mean you can clearly see through that uh, animated short uh, the South Park to come. But also it's kind of like uh, what we're saying he was, you know, it's very Terry Gilliam-ish. So he didn't think quite have his like pure voice there he was still borrowing a lot of things from terry gilliam you know there were there was a cow they even did like a cow from you know as in monty python and the holy grail yeah i mean it was it's kind of hard to get away from monty python if you're trying to do something funny and cut out say an animation you're pretty that's pretty um yeah but the later the later animation wasn't as terry gilliam but this is more terry gilliam with uh mixed with south park to come right yeah, exactly. but but it, it seemed to work for Trey Parker because he won a Student Academy Award in 1992 for the short. Yeah, no, it's nuts. Yeah, and uh, so uh, at the at the Student Academy Award ceremony, uh, there's all these uh, like students from these prestigious animation schools like Cal Arts who, who who had like animated shorts of really you know higher artistic caliber, and he said who were just fuming that he won <laughs> yeah no that, that's 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 pretty funny <laughs> but so in drunken history so did his friend uh his japanese friend just sort of did he just record him just telling his take of uh american history on that i don't know it's, it seems like there's some kind of funny bits where it's just not exactly right so you're wondering if, i don't yeah i don't know if trey wrote it and had him read it or uh it'd be interesting to find out what the real story is there yeah it sounded like uh, his friend was just reading it yeah, it could be. Who knows? We don't know at this point. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when Matt and Trey were in uh, film school together, they said they would make a uh, like a, a film short every week, but most of them were lost. But a few of them are still on uh, YouTube. Actually, Trey Parker's first film was titled in 1989 was titled "Giant Beavers of Southern Sri Lanka." Yeah, and it's like a, it's kind of like his take on the Godzilla movie. Knock knock. Huh? Knock, knock. Uh, who's there? A giant beaver about to kill us both! Yeah, so what what you can see there for this, like, 1989 uh, short, very Godzilla-esque, but uh, 
it seems like the comedy timing was still very South Park, though, you know, it's mm -hmm. very kind of low budget, like the voice, the voiceovers and the comedy timing, you know, he had his comedy timing like intact, even back in like 1989. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mostly there's a few uh, of Matt and Trey's early shorts uh, you can find on YouTube. One is called First Date. Did you see that one? Yes, I did. Watch that one. Here we are at Billy's house. Billy is inside getting ready for his first date. We're going to help him along. They're very big We're... into the um, the 1950s instructional film kind of thing. Yeah, and the job applicant, I saw that one, pretty funny. Yep. Tell, tell the listeners the plot. Well, it's a young African-American young lady who's trying to interview for a job, and things do not go well. Oh, these are fine credentials, Mrs. Johnston, just fine. I see you graduated from the University of Illinois. Yes, and as you can also see, also worked for three years for uh, Smith Aircraft. Oh, that, that's fine, Miss Johnston, just fine. I'll think it over. Goodbye. Well, I, I know I could do the job, sir. I'm sure you could, little lady. Goodbye. Then she doesn't get the job. Then a uh, unqualified white guy who's just an idiot comes in. Any reason you feel qualified for this job? Well, I'm white. And I'm a male. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? Like it's that. just like that could be at the Oscars today, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, another one I, I found was Man on Mars. Did you see that one? Yeah, watch that one. Guys in spacesuits. Uh, what, what's the funny bit of there? I didn't watch that much of it. Cole, come on, you guys. I'm not doing the fucking dog dance again. Just fucking letting dog dance. I only have 5% air left, you assholes. You better do it quick, Murphy. Cut it out, dog dance. Come on. This might be funny on Earth, but we're on a scientific mission. Guys? <laughs> oh, and how do you how do you think it, it tied into uh, um, um, like modern day South Park? Could you could you see the seeds there? On all of these, or just in? I mean, in general, you can you can tell Trey getting his voice down, especially in that, especially in the job application one. You know, you can, it's just interesting to see him actually do the voice because you don't you, you don't usually see him doing that. Um, so I, they had their voices down. That was for sure. Uh, again, going back to uh, Cannibal the Musical, following the success of that movie, um, they moved to Los Angeles where they met with a lawyer from William Morris who connected them with uh, producer Scott Rudin. So right away from the success of that, you know, they, they had a script deal, they had a lawyer, they had an agent. Um, they thought they were going to become famous overnight, but it didn't happen. Uh, they said, uh, we, we were sleeping on floors thinking, wow, another two weeks, we're going to be fucking rich. And pretty soon two weeks turned into two months and two months turned into two years. We kind of, we know how that goes. Yeah. So, uh, Matt Stone said he slept during that period. He slept on dirty laundry because he couldn't afford to purchase a mattress. <laughs> yeah. But in between that time, uh, they were out, they were pitching like TV shows and they pitched, uh, uh, two TV shows to Fox. Actually, they pitched one TV show to Fox Kids called Time Warped, which involved fictionalized stories of people in history. Fox Kids, huh? Yeah, so I think they made a pilot out of that, or maybe they didn't. But in between then, you know, they gained they gained a bunch of fans. And David Zucker of uh, you know, kind of the Naked Gun movies, um, actually commissioned them to make a 15 minute short to show at a party when Seagram's acquired Universal Studios. And it, again, it was like what you're saying, 
another 1950s instructional video called Your Studio and You. Hollywood, California, home of the magical talking picture. A mecca of entertainment, Hollywood has always been known as a land of romance and a sparkling beacon for a life of glamour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, featuring it, uh, some of the big stars they had in there. Sylvester Stallone, Demi Moore. Uh, probably the funniest bit is uh, Steven Spielberg driving the tram at Universal Studios. That's good. Look out! It's a shark! Here it comes! The shark is coming! That's right. Old and stupid. Look out! All you back there is in the back of the tram! I also like James Cameron um, digging, uh, doing the landscaping. Sweeten, enhance, beautify. Sweeten, enhance, beautify. Sweeten, enhance, Looks like James beautify. Cameron's got the idea. Yeah, so again, you know, they were they were kind of like these beloved characters. Uh, you know, Matt and Trey were, you know, but just no one really kind of knew what to do with them. You know, people liked their work. Uh, they were giving a commission, but they couldn't sell a TV show. Mm-hmm. Well, while, while they're at Fox, uh, the executive named Brian Graydon, uh, he cut Parker and Stone a personal check for a few thousand dollars uh, with the object of producing a video greeting card that he could deliver to his friends. Uh, the film would be a sequel to their earlier short, Jesus vs. Frosty. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Wait a minute. What? Aren't you Jewish, Kyle? Yeah, I think so. Dude, Jewish people don't celebrate Christmas. What? You're supposed to sing Hanukkah songs. Dreidel, 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 I made you out of clay. Yeah, so again, they had fans, and this executive at Fox, um, yeah, he gave us a, a few thousand dollars to make a sequel to uh, Jesus and Frosty, which was one of their earlier shorts from like 1992. And and, and the, the Fox executive, he put the film on uh, VHS because that's what they had back then and just kind of distributed it to, you know, Hollywood executives and friends and, you know, pass it around as like a season greeting sort of card, you know, like an animated card. And, and because of that, it became a uh, viral. You have blemished the meaning of Christmas for the last time, Kringle. I bring happiness and love to children all over the world. Christmas is for celebrating my birth. Christmas is for giving. I'm here to put an end to your blasphemy. This time we finish it. There can be only one. Dude, this is pretty fucked up right here. Yep, one of the very first viral videos. People would show it at... People would show it at parties, and then as the internet started getting bigger and bigger, people would uh, upload it to the internet. That's how I first saw it. Um, I remember uh, having to sit there and kind of wait for a couple hours for it to download before we. Oh really? It. Yeah. Wait, wait, like, what would it be on pre YouTube? No, it would just be a. It was file sharing. You had to find somebody who had the file, and you know they'd put it up on a website and then just download it. No, I read somewhere, I forgot, I think it was in that Looper article that somehow George Clooney had a part in helping make it go viral. Yeah, he uh, he saw, he saw, he really liked it, he enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and he made, he would make copies of it, right, and pass them around to his friends. Yeah, so again, it's like they didn't come out of nowhere. They were already beloved in Hollywood, you know, they they already made, you know, commission to make a, 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 a a short film with, you know, Steven Spielberg and, and, and Sylvester Stallone in it. And, uh, you know, it's it wasn't like they were students and someone discovered this film. They were commissioned by, you know, an executive at Fox to make, you know, a, a sequel to it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's always, uh, you know, it goes back to that, what we were talking about. It's just, it, they they kind of want you to make you think it's overnight, but it's not. You know, these guys were sleeping on dirty laundry for a couple of years before any of this happened. Um, I think this is kind of the cool thing in the mm-hmm. end, though, is that, you know, the, somebody, they, they went out and they made a product. You know, they had a product that they could show around. Which yeah, is, it's it, you know that's kind of I think there's a secret to this kind of stuff is you go out you do your own stuff but then you go look I have I have a product you know yeah exactly exactly so and again you know there were also Hollywood insiders too so it wasn't like you know they came straight from film school and were pitching you know they were they already had fans who were you know Hollywood executives right yeah which is, it never hurts. Yeah, it never hurts. It doesn't. Um, and because of that, they began, uh, you know, talks into developing into a TV series. Uh, Fox downright refused the series because um, they didn't like such characters as Mr. Hankey, which was, you know, a talking piece of shit. <laughs> Literally. Well, the funny the funny thing is, I guess they must have already had that mapped out. You know, that was, uh, you know, they must have had it mapped out in the season. You know, the first they said, okay, well, by the end, our Christmas special is going to have a talking piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, from them, they began negotiating with both uh, MTV and Comedy Central. But uh, Trey Parker preferred the show to be produced by Comedy Central because he feared that MTV could turn it into a kid's show. Right, yeah. So, and again, you know, MTV's just all their programming shitty. But that, that was probably back when they had like liquid television yeah, on. Yeah, that's when they were that's kind of towards the end of that. Yeah, when they you, when MTV was still eh, making yeah, the edgy yeah, shows. Yeah, I actually I had a friend, actually a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. um, uh, Chip Pope, who uh, maybe we could do an episode about awesome stories at one point. But uh, Chip, it was a, the guy I knew that was out in L.A., and he actually had a copy of that very first episode before it went on the air. So that was like um, the first. The first episode of the Spirit yeah, of Christmas. The first episode of South Park, like the one that, ah. went, that went to air. So that was kind of cool to see that like before it actually made the air. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. But also another thing about the spirit of Christmas, um, once it started going around, other people uh, began to take credit for pr- producing the spirit of Christmas. So there was actually, uh, 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 Matt Stone said there, there were actually guys taking meetings claiming that they were the, the, the creators of the spirit of Christmas video. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, uh, uh, yeah, they're actually getting meetings like with t- MTV. Yeah, like I think one of the uh, one of the anecdotes is that they were at a party and somebody put on the because back in the day when you'd have to show stuff on TV, they were at a party and somebody put it on TV, they put on the Spirit of Christmas, and, and the guy was just like, hey, this is my my cartoon, and Matt and Trey were there. They're like, no, oh we're really? The, yeah, we're the guys. <laughs> that what was kind of made it interesting is that they didn't have their names on it. And so you mm-hmm. had no idea who had done the short, which was kind of cool. Yeah, but it's again, it was like you know, it was uh, executive produced by a Fox executive, right? Yeah. So you know, it, it could be traced. It wasn't like yeah, people, it just popped up. Yeah, the people at the top knew who did it, you know, and they had proof and everything. Yeah. So, uh, so again, they they wanted it either to be on, M- you know, they were negotiating with MTV and Comedy Central of who would put it on. And when uh, Comedy Central executive Doug Herzog watched the short, he commissioned them to develop the series. And the pilot was produced for three hundred thousand dollars, and it took three and a half months to complete. And the animation took place in a small room at Celluloid Studios in Denver, Colorado, 
during the summer of 1996. Yeah, that was when they were doing it all, as they did the original cartoons, all hand, hand cut and moving things around. Yeah, yeah. So again, you know, everything now in now timey days, it, all that animation could just easily be done. Uh, all After Effects, you think? It's all computer. They get their own stuff. Yeah, they're they're using something for it. Yeah, but back then they were still making it like how they made the original 1992 mm-hmm. short, and it yeah. was really it was just all stop action uh, paper animation techniques. Yeah, exactly. And the idea of the town in South Park actually comes from a uh, actual town in Colorado called South Park, who, according to the creators, had a lot of folklore about cattle mutilation, cattle mutilation, and UFO and Bigfoot sightings. Yeah, that's 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 a good place for a TV show. Yeah, there you go, because they they kind of cover all those, especially in the first one where Cartman does in fact get an anal probe. Yeah, and and again, also going back to the Fox executive, uh, his last name is Graydon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually left Fox to go on and produce South Park. Yeah, that's a, a, a career move. Uh, well played, sir. Yeah, so again, that goes back uh, full circle and uh, bringing us to modern day uh, South Park premiered in, in August 1997, was immediate smash hit, uh, averaging it consisted of 3 to 5.5 million viewers. Um and even before it aired, I think it, uh, the merch alone uh, uh, raked in around thirty million dollars. Yeah, that was like uh, that's when Comedy Central was kind of not the powerhouse that it is today. Like the only kind of hit show they had was um, Politically Incorrect, and that show. Oh yeah, that was on yeah. Comedy Central. Yeah, and that show had just. Well, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that show had just <laughs> left that year. They went to move to ABC. I'm pretty sure. So yeah. yeah, so nineteen ninety seven is when that's when Comedy Central kind of came on its own. So you get that you got South Park starting up there, and then you also got uh, Daily Show. Yeah, Daily Show was was starting, but I don't think John Stewart was on it yet. But uh, D- Daily Show was starting to kick some ass too. Yeah, yeah, Craig Kilborn. Craig Kilborn, yep. That that pretty much sums up uh, how you know the spirit of Christmas. Um, you know how Matt and Trey met, um, um, and how South Park came about how a viral video was born. I mean, I think the other thing is, you know, they also had, so they were filming the, so the spirit of Christmas was done 93, 94. And that was kind of right around the rise of the internet. So I remember distinctly probably downloading it in 95 or 96. So they also had the, the good timing to, to kind of be around right when the internet started getting pretty big. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus versus Santa, the one that yeah. got him the deal. That was 1995. I guess what what is the main takeaway of, of all this? The importance. It's just like yeah, like you're saying, the rise of viral videos and just sort of the luck of being at the right place at the right time. That that doesn't hurt. I think, but also it's just it's just kind of keep plugging away. And also it's I think I remember somebody else who has had an agent, something that's like, you be proactive, you're always doing something. And then you're also, you know, you're coming out with this product. You go, Hey, I don't care who's buying it or whatever. Here's a product. Look at this. Yeah. It's crazy. Like when I had like big agents, like I was rep by CAA, yeah. they had me for the Montreal just for laugh, uh, newsletter. Um, they had, they set up meetings at every big agency in LA, like ICM and, 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 and 
three arts and, and, you know, just all across the board, the biggest agent toting me as the biggest comedian in Germany, who at the last minute is going to be in Montreal's just for laughs, new faces. So they had, they, they created this fake hype about me. And then I went to meetings with like an eye patch talking in a <laughs> fake German accent and, uh, and just watching them kind of like throwing everything they have at me to, to, to get me to sign with their agency. And you didn't you didn't sign with anybody. Well, well, the point was then I wrote up the story and they ah. put it in the Montreal Just for Laughs uh, newsletter that every industry, every person in the industry read, and then from that uh, I got meetings set up and I got a TV pilot. Oh, so then you get the real the fake thing, but then you get the real thing. Yeah, but again, it's just like I didn't just do that on my own. Yeah. It, it was you know that was set up by you know agents and and insiders and what was that guy's name the german guy oh dieter leader so uh, anyways um here let me i'm gonna pop up some fan mail what what are you talking about some fan mail that we've gotten that we have a little theme you have a little theme that goes there What theme? I don't know. You need, you need to come up with a theme. Like a sting? Yeah. Like a theme, you know. Fan mail. Hums oh, girl. yeah. I'm reading oh, wait, wait, wait. Why, why don't you sing it? Go ahead. Fan mail. Harmon's gonna read some fan mail. Didn't really come in the mail. It's just a comment and an RSS feed, but we still love it anyway. Can we put some music to that? Yeah, totally, dude. I'll, okay. I'll just put some music under it. Ah, okay, so we got some fan mail, and if you want to comment, we will be glad to read your fan mail during our podcast. This comes from a Daniel Sherrill, and he says, Just finished the Party Record podcast on YouTube. Great job! Exclamation point. I actually love all the laugh records. They're all so unique. Leroy and Skillet and Lawanda. Nearly the entire catalog is available some way or another on various websites. I have a bunch of the MP3s of Richard and Willie too. I subscribe to your channel. And she says that Tina Dixon calling all the freaks is a classic. I've heard it a few times. So we feel very honored that we have connected Daniel Sherrill with Party Records from our Party Record podcast. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. So once again, be sure to subscribe to our uh, iTunes or YouTube channel. Um, You can check out all the Comedy History 101 podcasts on our website, Words Over Chair. Scott, anything you would like to plug? Well, Harmon is also my guest on our other political podcast, this is the president. Uh, we just posted an episode, uh, the Jimmy Carter Jonestown Massacre, about Jimmy Carter, and it's a fun subject, the jo- jo- Jonestown Massacre sides of 1978. So that's up on both Words Over Chair, wordsoverchair.com, and my website, scottcolonico.com. Also, you can find on iTunes as well. Yeah, and by the way, uh, one last plug, because part of the things we do is just plug shit here on the podcast. As always, I have a new book out called Meet the Deplorables, Infiltrating Trump America. You can check it out on Amazon. And with that, I think that wraps up the spirit of Christmas. Yes, but I, I have one more thing to add. 
Sure. Okay, plug away. This is for both of us. We are continually improving our website, wordsoverchair.com. We now have an easy-to-subscribe uh, email list. If you want to sign up for our email list, it's right there at the bottom of every page. Just put in your email address. We'll send you notifications when new podcasts go up. When we get some merch out, and uh, also Harmon will let you know where well, he'll be performing next. So uh, be sure to uh, go visit the website, wordsoverchair.com, and sign up for that. Which leads me to another plug. Okay. So I don't know. Um, okay, in New York. Also, no, one last plug. Uh, in New York on February 2nd, I'm having a book launch event at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn. 7 p.m. February 2nd. Come and, come and say hi. Yeah, come by. We like Pete's Candy Store. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of Comedy History 101. And we're out. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.